celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Really? On today's show? I know. Isn't that exciting? When I was a Big kid. Big show. Yeah. Yeah. This lady who's going to be on today was uh, one of the great actresses of my time. Three's Company. Yes. Joyce DeWitt will be joining us. She was Janet on Three's Company, and she'll be joining us today. I guess she's going to be in a like a dog-related movie tonight on, on the Hallmark, Hallmark yeah. Channel. So she'll be here to tell us about that in just a couple of minutes. Tammy, what are you working on in the newsroom? Well, you know, last week we talked about the goldfish that had the surgery for the tumor. Uh-huh. Well, this veterinarian down in Australia, this vet clinic, is amazing because now they've done life-saving surgery on a lizard. And I never knew all the things that could go wrong when doing surgery on a lizard. So this is really pretty interesting. Wow. Okay. That's on the way. Also, I understand the guest that we had on the show, what, uh, two weeks ago? Or was it last week? Karen Zaxton, also a.k.a. Karen Hanover. Yeah. I'm yes. not sure what her na- true name is. She was... Uh, no, Nobody knows. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. That's part of the problem here. You might remember last week she was on telling us about a GPS chip, yeah. microchip, that she was uh, crowdfunding for. Apparently, yeah. she's up against the law now. She's admitted to fraud. Is that correct? She has. She has actually signed a plea deal in federal court, and she's been defrauding people, and she's pleaded guilty, so we can say, I guess she did it. She's defrauded people out of nearly a million and a half dollars on some get-rich-quick real estate schemes. And it's very unclear whether this has anything to do with the product, escape alert or not. Uh, she says she's totally backed away from the product, that she was only the spokesperson. But it's, it, you know, it sounded like such a great product, too, and it still might be. So this is very confusing and, and kind of upsetting, really. Can I just say, when she did her interview, I kind of, I thought there were a few red flags. But I'm just, maybe it was just Did me. you really? Yeah, I did. Did you? Did you not? No, I didn't. Uh-uh. Okay, I just thought, no, okay. No, I, I, don't, I don't know. Here's I, I mean, it didn't, I didn't think about much about it. I just thought it was a great product. Well, a product invented by her mother who has no technical skills whatsoever, no electronic or technical skills whatsoever, an idea which I'm sure has been and is being worked on already. So I don't know, it just seemed a little weird to me, but we'll find out more about this whole thing in just a few minutes with Tammy Trujillo right here on Animal Radio. Before we go to the phones, Joey, what are you working on? We're going to talk about grooming and senior dogs and when enough might be enough and what to do. Uh, Let's see, what else? Oh, I have some email. I... I guess we should get rid of do this right now. In fact, uh, Dr. Debbie, this is for you. This came in at yourvoice at animalradio.com. Yourvoice at animalradio.com if you want to write us. Uh, Kim writes us. She says, what's your viewpoint on yearly vaccinations for your pets, specifically dogs? There's much controversy about whether or not it's really needed in the problems at the injection sites. I know rabies is required by law. Also, she's taking heartworm medication monthly. Is a test really needed every year? Oh, great questions. And there's a lot of um, gray zones with all of those uh, different topics. So we'll, we'll kind of touch upon the, the heartworm disease. So pets that are on heartworm preventive year-round, I'll get this a lot. Oh, why do I have to do the test? Well, it, it is recommended by the American Heartworm Society. And the reason is because we can get either product failure or we can get situations where the pet may not absorb the medication, uh, where we give the dose, we think they took it, and we think it stayed with them. And either they maybe vomited up or there's something that interferes with the absorption of the medicine. So um, because we don't want the pet to end up positive and not know about it, that's why we want to screen them once a year for the heartworm test. Okay. 
So um, the other question, vaccination intervals. Oh, this is something that keeps changing. And so there really isn't going to be a, a solid black and white answer. Why, that why does it keep for. changing? Well, the old standard was that we used to vaccinate everything every year. And when I got into practice, we actually vaccinated parvovirus every six months. Wow. And, and some of that is based upon incidence of disease in your area, as well as the overall protection within the animal population. So in my area in Las Vegas, we have a tremendous problem with parvovirus in dogs. So for some of the recommendations that other parts of the country may follow, we may not be completely on board with that. So anywhere between every one year to every three years is appropriate. But your veterinarian does need to discuss that with you based on your pet's lifestyle, risk factors, and overall health. So I'm going to hedge that answer. But there are definitely, there's research that shows that many animals will have the uh, distemper and parvo, the immunity lasts for three years. So the question comes, when do you vaccinate? And and that's really, it's a decision between the individual pet owner and their veterinarian to go over things. Because we can do things like titers, which are blood tests that kind of give us an idea of the potential protection in their blood. um, And whether we need to, you know, do the indiscriminate vaccination every year. So, um, you know, one thing she did mention is the concern with vaccinations as triggering um, problems at the injection site. And that is primarily um, a concern we have with cats. And there is the statistic that one in 10,000 cats that are vaccinated may develop a tumor formation at the site of vaccine. But they can also develop tumor at the site of injections. So if they get an antibiotic injection or anything else that stimulates inflammation in that area may trigger tumor formation down the road. So um, it, it is something you have to keep in mind. But dogs, we, we don't talk quite as much about the tumor risk as a result with vaccination as we do with cats. Mm. Okay. So. Well, I hope that answers some questions, Kim, for you, or at least confused you more. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that how doctor people talk? You know, we bring up a lot of statistics, and in the end, you're scratching your head saying, what did she say? Yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, go to Beverly and confuse her a little bit. Hi, Beverly. How are you? Hi, how are you doing? Good. Where are you calling from today? Charleston, West Virginia. Charleston, West Char- Virginia. Charleston, West Virginia. Okay. Can you get a little nearer to the phone? Are you near on the phone? Are you on a speaker phone? Yeah, I'm on a phone, but uh, I don't know. It comes and goes. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, tell us, what is your problem? I got everybody here for you. Uh, uh, the revolution you put on a cat. Do you have to put it on every month? I have an inside cat, and I was just wondering if you have to do it every month. Yeah. Well, um, in West Virginia, you're, you're definitely in heartworm endemic areas there. So in areas where we have heartworms and the vector, which is the mosquito, um, those pets, if the climate is such that um, the local veterinarians are recommending year-round protection, you want to follow through and, and make sure you do give that heartworm treatment every month, the heartworm preventative every month. Um, so it is important to be consistent. You don't want to miss doses. Um, you know, missing one dose, and, you know, it's been shown that the efficacy is pretty close to 100% just by missing, you know, one month and picking it up thereafter. But you get two months or more out, and certainly there's going to be a risk that you can acquire the infection. So um, it is important to try to stay to every 30 days, um, give that consistently. And, you know, the thing I will bring up is that heartworm disease in cats is very different than in dogs. In dogs, um, we tend to know about it a little bit more readily. Um, of course, it's, you know, they get into end-stage uh, 
um, uh, problems when we notice it. But with cats, it actually looks like a lot of other diseases. They may have symptoms of vomiting, uh, loss of appetite, weight loss, um, sometimes coughing and respiratory problems, but it really doesn't scream a diagnosis of this cat has heartworm. Um, and of cats that have heartworm disease, believe it or not, 25 to 30 percent of cats, uh, when their owners were surveyed after the fact of diagnosis, those cats were indoor exclusive cats. So outdoor cats have a higher potential infection rate, but just because you have an indoor cat doesn't mean those mosquitoes don't go inside. So um, that is not a good reason not to keep up with that preventative. So I'm going to advocate, try to stay true, give that um, preventative once a month. Uh, can I ask you something else? Sure. Uh, does uh, uh What's those things you put on animals to track them? Those chips? Microchip. Yeah, we were just talking about that in the last one of the last shows. Uh, Don't they cause cancer after a certain a, a while? Well, the product that that we were talking about is one that's not even yet on the market, so we can't really fully answer that yet. Um, now, in reference to regular microchips, which have been on the market for forever, um, those the risk. There has been a study that was released a few years back, and it created a lot of concern in my my clients. And the study was one that was made in rodents, and it showed that rodents that had a microchip implanted had a risk of tumor formation, and while there is some potential risk in dogs and cats, um, the problem, there's a lot of problems with this particular study that got people upset. They used rodents in that study that actually had a genetic gene for the tendency to develop tumors. So that's really not looking in the life population of dogs and cats that we have out there. Um, and when you really look at the risk of tumor formation in dogs and cats from microchips, we're talking maybe one in a million. Whereas think of all the thousands of dogs and cats that are euthanized on a regular basis at shelters because they can't get home to their families. So microchips, in my opinion, are very life-saving, and I would say the risk of tumor formation is very minimal um, compared to the other um, potential uh, dangers of, of not uh, having a microchip. Okay, thank you. Thank you for okay. your call today, Beverly. Have a good day. Yeah, you know, you got to weigh out the risks there. And obviously, if you lose your animal and it, and it ends up in a shelter, it's going to be put to sleep or euthanized because it, its owner hasn't been found. Much bigger risk than uh, developing any kind of, what, sarcoma or anything around right. the microchip. And you know what's really interesting is in, in, in England, over 50% of dogs and cats are microchipped. And when they looked at a period of time over about 10 years and looked at the tumor formation possibility within all those animals, they only found two tumors. So, you know, in a, wow. you know, that's, in that's a country, a, yeah, yeah, I mean, in a country that really embraces microchipping in their pet population, it's far greater than what we have here. Um, I think that speaks a lot to kind of hopefully calm a lot of people with this. And could they actually pinpoint that that was actually the root of the cause? No, that's the challenge. In some of the cases that I read of, um, they couldn't say it was clearly just the microchip because many times either vaccinations were given in that same area or the pet received other injections. So you can't say, aha, it was the microchip and not four years of vaccinations or, you know, these other injections that were given in that site. So that that becomes the kind of slippery slope you can't really tell. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free for underwriting Animal Radio. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143-800-689-0143-800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. Check out Animal Radio Highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Welcome, my friend. It's Animal Radio. This hour, Joyce DeWitt. Janet from Three's Company will be joining us. I'm sure she probably just hates, you know, my was, <laughs> I was only one. Yeah, she's probably done a lot of things since. I know Bob Denver, a Gilligan of Gilligan's Island, just hated to be recognized as really? Gilligan. Oh, wow. Um, but I don't know if that's the same with her. We should ask her that. Okay, it looks like the whole phone bank is lit up. Are we taking one for Dr. Debbie right yes, now? Yes, go to line three. Okay, line three, and we have Cynthia. Hey, Cynthia, welcome to Animal Radio. Well, thank you. What's going on in your world? Well, I've got a little dog that scoots a good bit. <laughs> and, oh, my uh, gosh. <laughs> I, I sympathize, man. My dog has been dragging his butt all over my office. It's just oh horrible. He prefers oh. the concrete, really, but he will go on the lawn. But uh, oh. that kind of ceased for quite a while. And then last week he started getting me up two, three times at night okay. in a frantic, desperate, fix it, Mom, fix it. What's the matter? Fix it. And it's not his usual mode of, hey, I want attention. And if I would push my hand down on his backside, like a pressure massage type thing, if I kept that up for an hour, he seemed to be relieved. Wait a minute. Are you you pressing his butt or you're pressing his back? His whole backside. My fingers would go right between his tail. His tail would go between my fingers, I should say. Okay, are you like sticking your finger in his butt? Uh, like in the butt hole? <laughs> no, uh-uh, on the back side. Okay. All right, sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to visualize where he was probably itching. But okay. uh, that seemed to be the pressure because he was always favoring the right side. He'd push his right side up to me. Hmm, okay. But there was no anal gas because I'd had him to the vet before when he was scooting, and that's what they thought it might have been. But mm-hmm. now I took him to the vet again. They gave mm-hmm. him blood tests. Nothing. They can't okay. figure it out. 
And he's doing kind of like the butt scoots, like I'm trying to wipe something off my butt and drag it along the floor. No, it's more of an itch. That's why I started putting that hydrocortisone cream on him, and that seemed to work. Okay. But what was all this? Is he chewing or licking back there? Nope. nope. Okay. And his bowel movements yeah. are normal. He's not straining to do them. Okay. Well, there's a lot of other causes for scooting, and sometimes we focus in on the anal sacs because they're one of the most common causes of itchy butts, and and that's my little puppy's problem is that he has anal gland uh, discharge that builds up. It gets itchy, and he tries to scooch it all over my nice wool rug. Um, so that if we're dealing with that situation, we um, express the anal glands, and we deal with um, you know, making sure there's not infection there. Um, and going that route. So if we're not dealing with anal sac disease, and we're very comfortable that's been recently checked by your vet, then we look at some other things. And the, we have to remember that area is skin. So anything that causes skin disease along the lines of allergies, uh, including food allergies, or even bacterial infections, yeast infections, all of those type of things can cause a pet to respond the same way by scooting or trying to get back there and lick and to itch. Um, so that would be where my next focus would be going. And um, for me, I always kind of take the tail, lift it up, look at the area, make sure I'm looking and examining that really well. If there's any discoloration, sore spots, hair loss, then that gives me further evidence that we're heading down the road of, okay, this is more of a skin problem we need to be focusing on. And we might talk about ways to treat allergies, whether it's a hypoallergenic diet combined with anti-itch medicines, such as antihistamines and steroids. Those would be some of the things that I would be working towards. Mm-hmm. Well, now, some other dog, but he has a little white bell bottom, so you can okay. only tell if there's anything there. It, it's pretty clear, yeah. Yeah, it's clear. So, um, <laughs> so those would be some of the things that I would really look at, and, and um, you know, other things beyond that. You know, parasites, things like tapeworms, can definitely cause an itchiness um, along the anal area. So, um, making sure we're checking. Uh, a regular fecal sample and doing twice a year dewormings with the direction of your veterinarian. Things like tapeworms actually take sometimes a little different medication than some of the more common uh, dewormers. Um, so that would be something else to look at. Um, and I guess it's a little intriguing to me, this whole kind of putting the pressure thing on that area and that makes him feel better because it, yeah, you know, it didn't feel swollen. There's no lumps. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll even look at those areas. Um, I've had pets with, um, hip problems where they have arthritic hips, mm-hmm. where it's causing some pain and discomfort. So if we're focusing away from the anal area and more on the side of the hip, then that would be some direction that we might go as well. But that's a little bit more off to the side type thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that I'd really look at some of the possibilities of allergies and even parasites and, uh, you know, see if we can address that a little bit more for this guy. Cause man, I'm feeling it with you. My little dog, he is just one itchy butt fella. And Hal was laughing at me earlier because I was talking to him saying how sweet he was, but his butt stunk like high heaven. (laughs) I have COPD, so so I don't smell it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, trust me, that's one smell you're fortunate not to have to smell. (laughs) So I hope that's of some help for you, Cynthia. And then, uh, you know, definitely, you know, if that first veterinarian visit isn't taking care of things, you know, you definitely want to readdress address that tell them hey doc you know my baby's still uncomfortable if he's waking up at night he's bothered that's something that's a symptom we really need to take uh, seriously there so well, they um, even called me back to see how i was doing excellent 
and uh, very good. They call again next week to make sure he was still doing okay. So they are very intrigued with what's going on. <laughs> well, good. We'll give him a good pat on the head, and uh, well, I guess one on the butt too, just if that makes him feel better. <laughs> Thanks for your call, Cynthia. We appreciate you listening to Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is Judith Chapman from Young and the Restless at CBS, and I'm on Animal Radio right now, and I'm asking everyone out there to please spay and neuter your pets. I know, Judy, we've, we've both been in a little bit of a funk lately. We lost our little princess, our, our fur child, and we've been looking for a way to really memorialize her. And you know, she was with me pretty much 24-7 while she was here on this earth. and like now, 14 years. For 14 years. And now that she's gone, I still want to keep her close to me. I want to have a little piece of her with me. I know that you've been talking about getting a tattoo with some of her ashes. Yes, I'm going to get that. I'll get an outline of her face with her ashes put into the ink so that I will have her always with me. I'm a scaredy cat when it comes to tattoos. But I went online to BigPawCremains.com, and I saw that they make jewelry. In particular, what I really want is a uh, ring that has our little princess's cremains inside it. That would be so great to look down at your hand, see a ring on your finger, and actually see their ashes in it. That would just be so heartwarming. And not only that, the rings are actually beautiful. All handcrafted in Colorado. And hypoallergenic, too, so you don't have to worry about that. And, you know, just having her on my finger is just really going to help me get through this whole thing of losing her. Well, she'll always be close to you. She will. Okay, so here's where we are so far. We've reached out to BigPawCremains.com. They've sent us a collection kit, which includes a little vial for us to send back, a teaspoon of our little princess's ashes. And they also sent us the rings for sizing. Of course, these are the rings that uh, the ashes will go on to. We tested them out. We uh, made sure they fit. And then we sent them back with a teaspoon of our little princess's ashes. And the process is so simple. So quick and simple. If you're looking for a way to memorialize the life that you've spent with your fur child, head on over to bigpawcremains.com. That's bigpawcremains.com. A great way to immortalize your pet through beauty. Bigpawcremains.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. And I'm Tammy Trujillo. We had a woman in our first story on Animal Radio recently. Karen Hanover talked about a new device called Escape Alert. It's a microchip that can be implanted by a veterinarian in your pet that would use GPS to track them if they ever get lost. Now word is coming out that Hanover signed a plea deal this past March in federal court stating that she built 48 people out of nearly a million and a half dollars through some get-rich-via-real-estate seminars around the nation. She reportedly has resigned from any involvement with Escape Alert, but it's still not exactly clear to what extent she was involved. A Kickstarter campaign has been taken down for the product. There was an application for a patent on the device's technology they'll file next month, so we'll continue to sort this story out. Well, this is a very special dog in Alabama. He's being called Lazarus, and with a really good reason. This medium-sized black and brown dog was euthanized by a shelter in Ozark after no one came to adopt him. He was left for dead. Somehow, overnight, he recovered from what should have been a lethal injection. Now he's living with a family in Birmingham. He's got another rescue dog to play with. He's doubly remarkable, really. He'd been taken to the shelter after being hit by a car and seriously hurt. 
And last week we had the story of a veterinarian in Australia who removed a tumor from the head of a very treasured goldfish. Well, now a vet at that same hospital, it's called the Lord Smith Animal Hospital, has performed a life-saving surgery on a pet lizard named Sam. Dr. Paul Ramos removed an eye on Sam. Sam's a blue-tongued lizard. Surgery on reptiles pretty tricky because they take longer to go under anesthesia and they don't automatically start breathing on their own when they wake up like people and other animals do. Sam is now sporting a very stylish pirate eye patch while she is on the mend. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. On the phone with us, this guy, let me tell what a powerful story this guy has. Uh, Stephen McGarva is joining us. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm doing well. How are you today? Very good. So you decided, you were one of those people, and I thought about this too, of living in Puerto Rico. By all rights, it's a beautiful island, beautiful people, and the idea to go there is just simply, I was going to do my artwork, had a great studio, um, going to kite surf, hang glide the mountains, and first day on the island, dropped my wife off at work. Uh, drove to an area, a beach called Playa Lucia, on the south side of the island to go kite surfing. Walked out on the beach that morning thinking, oh man, the winds are getting perfect, and grabbed my gear, shouldered it, walking down the beach, and stumbled across what looked to be just a pile of coconut fronds or, or you know, palm fronds or coconut husks in the sand. I thought, okay, I need to move those. I'm going to end up tripping over them. And as I neared the, this pile, it was an emaciated dog. Um, mm. I mean, I've seen dogs in bad condition. This dog was in far worse condition than anything I'd ever experienced. I thought, oh, my gosh, I can't leave the dog, drop my gear, made friends with the dog. He was incredibly friendly. He could barely stand. He looked like a child stick figure drawing. Jeez. And uh that was it. I went back to the grocery store um, in an area that I was unfamiliar with, driving around hoping something would be open, bought out everything they had in their dog food aisle as far as wet food, Pedialyte, and things to get the dog's you know, um, health up a little bit, figuring if it died that day, um, at least it would die knowing that somebody loved it and petted its head and that died with a full belly. And, you know, I went back knowing not to overfeed it, so I thought, okay, I'm going to have to limit it. I walked back, and there's out out of the jungle are 16 additional noses peeking out of the, oh. out of the uh, greenery. I thought, uh-oh, didn't grab enough food. <laughs> oh, so there was more. 17 oh the first gosh. day. <laughs> 17. Now, why is that? Is, oh. This place is known for that, right? I'm a curious person. I asked a lot of questions of the fishermen and some of the locals, and, you know, they would shy away from the questions. But I said, you know, these dogs are, these aren't just starving dogs. These are dogs that have clearly human-inflicted wounds on them, like entry and exit bullet holes, and they've been used as target practice and machete slices on them. And, you know, I find out through the locals that this is a dumping ground for unwanted household pets. So all of these dogs were once somebody's pet that maybe chewed on a shoe or telephone cord or something, and the people got ticked off. It, you know, overstayed its welcome, and they threw the dog out, and this is where they dropped them off. It was out of sight, out of mind. Mm. And from my understanding, the locals didn't like you interfering with that, did they? Well, what did you do? Well, so that's the thing is, you know, I know that nobody hears you when you're screaming and pushing and shoving. So I've always tried the approach of, you know, let's figure out how to get to the bottom of this. 
I'm more than willing to help you resolve the problem. Like, if if these need to be, the dogs need to be relocated to a shelter. Well, I've got my truck. Let's go. And if the shelter needs some money, then let's do a fundraiser. But I find out through a lot of questions that there are no shelters and there are no humane societies and you know anything for animal protection. You know, so I contacted somebody in the media. Went on uh, Univision Television. So I was thinking that okay, this is going to be a good thing. I'm getting some attention. I didn't point fingers or accuse anybody. I just said, hey, let's just do the right thing for the animals, and you know, it's a win-win for everybody. You know, and I thought the next day I went down to the beach thinking, oh, this is amazing. We're going to see some changes, and I did. Somebody had slaughtered probably half of my pack that night. Oh my and, gosh. you know, this is this is months into me being there and tending to the dogs every single day, 12 plus hours a day. You know, so at that point, I probably had upward of about 50, 60 plus dogs at that time. And they had slaughtered probably half of my pack. And again, not a guy to shy away from, you know, a bully. I thought, OK, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Now I am pushing back. And but I received more pushback and started getting more threats and <clears throat> the Hotelier Association and different hoteliers uh, didn't like that I was, you know, causing the media to pick up, you know, on this and bring negative light to the area. Which is strange because you would think that if you were going to rescue these animals and take them out of, uh, because for, for, for the tourist industry, that's got to be a horrible thing. Well, that, that's the thing is, you know, nobody, it is, they're really trying to get the tourism up on the island and, you know, industry is pulling out and things are changing. But when it comes down to it, you know, a tourist goes down there and they they see these poor animals roaming the beach just emaciated and, you know, the, they shoo them off and, and not in a very kind way because they, they want to protect their guests from seeing them. But the guests are mortified when they find out that they just round them up and kill them. And what so happened at, uh, again, the, the Russian Olympics in Russia, they were starting to kill all the dogs and people went up there trying to rescue them because they didn't want them to be around during the Olympics because it was a eyesore. Yeah, it, it's just, you know, why not go to the root of the problem and fix what's broken and you don't have to harm anything. You know, you don't have to kill anything. You can just make it all right. And, and it's not just that I'm a do-gooder or, you know, but I do believe in that, the old thing, can't we all just get along? If we all figured out peaceful conflict resolution is the only answer to these problems and learn to get along. And if you want me to, you know, pat your back and say, hey, this politician and these hoteliers came up with a great solution. Let's start a shelter. Excellent. The problem is when I started saying these things, I unearthed the or uncovered the fact that, you know, U.S. taxpayers dollars were going towards humane societies and shelters on the island in every municipality. Problem was there were none. So in other words, the money was being taken. So I was accidentally digging into somebody's pocketbook. Where are you now with this? Are the animals still there? Are you able to help? So I got, my wife and I ended up getting run off the island. Um, I received death threats. I got shot at, um, if you can imagine. Yeah, just over trying to help dogs. And it finally got to a point where I was, my wife and I were delivering dogs up in the Massachusetts and Rhode Island area. And when uh, my wife flew back to Puerto Rico to be at work on Monday morning, I stayed back in the Northeast to deliver these dogs. Well, she phoned me frantic saying, they're in our house, they've broken in, and I'm going, get out, get out of the house, and I was wow. panicking. And so they had come in, ransacked our home, and the reality of it was I pushed back 
too hard too many times for the entire two years there. You know, they had followed us home and or me home and my wife could have been murdered and that was the reality and her company just said, done, you're out. So, you know, we they pulled the contract. I had to say bye to my pack, couldn't take them and uh, they killed them all. And so at that point, I was determined, okay, you could beat me up on the island and you could take everything from me, but you can't do it to me when I'm off the island. And now I'm even more angry, so I'm going to fight back. So I still work, you know, I'm more the front man for these groups. We do spay and neuters in Mexico and Puerto Rico. Well, it sounds like you did some really great work, and it's all chronicled in the rescue at Dead Dog Beach, of which I have nine copies to give away. I kept the tenth one. Thanks for having me on. You guys have a super day. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Everybody's had trouble finding their car keys or maybe a TV remote. But when a California man lost his false teeth, he was convinced he didn't just misplace them. 68-year-old Bill Exner blamed the mouse. A mouse that Bill and his wife had captured three times and three times it escaped. He last remembered seeing his dentures on his nightstand, and after searching all over the house for them, he convinced his daughter's fiancé to take a crowbar and hammer to the closet wall with a small hole in it where he'd seen the mouse run in. After tearing up some molding, the dentures were retrieved. Bill's future son-in-law suggested boiling the dentures in peroxide before putting them in. Bill's wife says the mouse frequently comes out and stares at him, taunting him. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. You know, here at Animal Radio, the studio cats have been using the Armor Cat cat trees for two decades. And you know, cats need to scratch, claw, and climb. And unlike any other tree, Armor Cat furniture is strong, durable, and really reliable. Armor Cat's best-in-class cat trees and beds all come with six-month warranties. Go to ArmorCat.com. That's A-R-M-A-R-K-A-T.com. And give your cat the tree they deserve. And get 15% off using the code ANIMALRADIO. Hi, this is Jamie Farr, and you're listening to the Animal Radio Network. And remember to spay and neuter your pets. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, and here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. It's Animal Radio. Hi, Bill. Hello. How you doing? Question. Well, hi, Bill. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. What do you got going on there today? Eh, our dog. It's an Angels for Animals dog. We got it probably about, I'd say probably about seven, eight years ago. And it was approximately a year old when we did get it. Well, probably about three years ago, we noticed that she was itching her belly under her arms, biting at her feet, her neck, itching at it. And, and probably about two or three years ago, we took her to the vet, and the vet told us she was allergic to grass. Now, he gave her steroids, and it, it got a little bit better. He just told us, don't take her outside as much as you can. But my dog follows me when I go anywhere. I can't make her stay in the house. Well, um, it's a rotten existence to have to stay feel, inside. Yeah, I feel bad to make her stay in the house. So he said, also give her a bath about three times a week. Well, I live in Ohio. I really can't give her a bath. She's probably about 80 pounds. 
What kind of dog house. is she? In a, it's a mix. Uh, we were told it was a mix with a German Shepherd and something else. So we don't okay. really know what it is. The vet's not sure. Now, um, he cannot give her steroids anymore. He said he gave her enough. And the only thing that I found that did help a little bit was I talked to a medical doctor. And because of the hair is where she itches, right now it's getting a little bit better, but it's still bad. Uh, because it's, the hair is all the way, it's gone for the most part on her butt, her tail, and under her armpits. The sweat okay. causes like a yeast infection. And if I use like uh, my conazole cream, it does help her. But what can I do to make her better? Okay. Now, in those areas where she's losing hair, does she have any sores? Is she red? It's red just, I believe, from her itching, but it could be from from an irritation other than that. Uh, okay. She has itched it down to bleeding on to, at times. Would you say that as far as her daily activity, is she, is she horribly bothered with this? Does this consume her daily activity? Uh, she, If I take her out to play, she forgets all about it. If I okay. sit there and pet her, she forgets all about it. But if you leave her alone for two seconds, she's itching, dragging her butt. And it, it just, it bothers me that it bothers her and we can't get it fixed. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I understand your veterinarian's concern about using steroids kind of as a mainstay to treat allergies because it's, it's really not the, the best way. It's sometimes a quick fix, but it, it's something that can really have some negative side effects. And for, for dogs with something like grass allergy, there's things you can do. You know, you can't keep her inside 100% of the time. When you are bringing her inside, for some people, actually cleaning the paws or wiping down the areas if they've laid in the grass can be helpful. But I think a lot of this, we really would want to look at the root of the problem. If if your pet has allergies, and we're assuming it's not something else like flea allergies um, or some other type of skin infection yeah. or mites or things like that, then yeah. I would really look at trying some different things. And one of the first things I always try for my allergy patients is getting them on a hypoallergenic diet. That is one of the, the most important things, because if you can avoid medicines, I'm all for, um, you know, the extra cost and the extra dedication it takes to using a, a specialty food. That'd yeah. be one thing. Now, um, what is now, when, a hyperallergenic diet? There's a lot of good ones out there. Most of that, you you would want to talk to your veterinarian, but um, I really like, there's one by Hills called ZD. Um, There's uh, Purina has a a hypoallergenic diet called HA. Um, Then there's some other ones out there that are duck uh, protein or duck and potato based, uh, venison based foods. So there's a lot of different diets out there, Um, but that can be a really great therapy tool that a lot of people don't use and it's you know if you don't have to shove pills down your dog's throat it's an easy way to go in my book yeah, yeah. Um, now you mentioned that she had some discoloration and some concerns of a yeast infection and I think in a lot of cases we try to treat the allergy but we don't treat what else is kind of tagging along for the ride and mm-hmm. yeast comes along a lot um, as well as bacteria so um, if the topical yeast medicines work it might be wise to invest in using an oral uh, yeast medicine as well and I do find a lot of dogs you know sometimes we have to keep them on that for a spell because yeast takes a long time to clear up but that can be very helpful as well um, topically you can do those shampoos and medicated baths a couple times a week and if that's not something easily done for you um, you can always you know have a groomer do that or you know have an animal professional take care of that because that is important to remove some of that uh, 
material off the surface, the bacteria and the yeast. And, um, you know, start with some of those things. I would definitely try some anti-allergy um, medicines. Um, antihistamines are useful. Some of the typical ones like Benadryl or Adorax are probably my favorites for dogs. No. Fatty acids, such as germ caps, are really good. And I would also, um, you know, consider if you're looking to maybe do a little bit more investment, it takes a little bit of checking on overall health status, but there's some medicines for allergies that's um, called cyclosporine, and it basically helps to kind of quiet down the pet's immune system. And uh, it does have side effects, so it's not something we just jump into, but it's something that, you know, a little different than prednisone that might be helpful to kind of trick her immune system around these allergies here. So it gives you a lot to think about. Allergies are definitely, gosh, one of the worst things to deal with in the skin world for pets. Um, but also make sure you check on uh, flea control because that also in Ohio, <laughs> you've got the bed of uh, parasites there. So you want to make sure you cover your bases all the way around. Sorry. This is Dr. Debbie, and uh, thank you for the call, Bill. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is Glenn Close on Animal Radio, urging you to spay or neuter your pet. You know, here at Animal Radio, the studio cats have been using the Armor Cat cat trees for two decades. And you know, cats need to scratch, claw, and climb. And unlike any other tree, Armor Cat furniture is strong, durable, and really reliable. Armor Cat's best-in-class cat trees and beds all come with six-month warranties. Go to ArmorCat.com. That's A-R-M. A-R-K-A-T dot com and give your cat the tree they deserve and get 15% off using the code Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. In this hour, Joyce DeWitt, Janet from Three's Company will be joining us in just a few minutes. She's doing a show tonight a movie, uh, it's one of those uh, made-for-TV movies, My Boyfriend's Dogs, and it's on the Hallmark Channel tonight. And we're going to find out a little bit about it in just a couple of minutes and see if she even has any animals. Yeah. See if she's an animal person at heart. You know, we've had a lot of celebrities on, and out of all the celebrities we've had on, we've only had one person that was not an animal person, and I don't even know how he got on the show, but that was Smokey Robinson. Because he's Smokey Robinson, that's how he got on so, the show. I remember that. Yeah. 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 Didn't like animals whatsoever. I have a quick question. I have sleep apnea. Well, I'm not asking Doc about my sleep apnea. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm wondering, can our animals have sleep apnea? And if they can, do they have to put little masks on? <laughs> well, it, yes, they definitely can have sleep apnea. And you know, we were talking a bit about some of the different respiratory problems that might kind of make that more likely. Some of the brachycephalic dogs, yes. um, the short-faced breed dogs have uh, shortened airways. They sometimes have a long, soft palate, narrow nostrils. So, yeah, that can limit the oxygen they're getting while they're sleeping, and especially while they're lying down in a kind of a recumbent position. Obese pets definitely can have um, sleep apnea as well, kind of for the same reasons so um yeah and usually i would say pets with sleep apnea it's not necessarily a surprise that they have that these are generally pets that we can hear have respiratory issues during the daytime or resting hours as well what about so, in cats 
You're talking about dogs, but do cats get it? You know, I have never encountered a cat. I, I, it would certainly be potential, um, especially since we do have some, uh, you know, short-faced breed cats out there as well. I think part of it is that um, the uh, fat deposition that they tend to have in dogs um, tends to cause a little bit more problem. Um, so I, I, I can't say I've ever diagnosed it in a cat, but I will be keeping my eyes out looking for one. Oh, there you go. Hey. Uh, let's see. If you live in, uh, well, Colorado or Washington, they've noticed a, a big increase recently of marijuana poisonings with animals because of, uh, well, it's legal there, recreationally. So there's a lot of it. And the, the animals are getting into your stash. Not your stash. Well, maybe your stash. <laughs> it's not really mine. St- really, it's not mine. <laughs> but the other thing that, that's happened over the last year, this trend for e-cigarettes you know, people get off the smoking of regular cigarettes by these uh, uh, nicotine vapor cigarettes. An e-cigarette, you mean it's electronic? Electronic cigarettes. Cigarette. That's supposedly a way to get off of, of cigarettes. To wean yourself. Up. And they come in all these different flavors and such. And so it's been a, a big hassle. More and more of these animals are showing up at the uh, clinics because they got into their owner's e-cigarettes. Mm-hmm. We have on today's show Dr. Anna Brutlog. Am I pronouncing your name right? Oh, I guess I got to hit this button over here, don't I? Yep. <laughs> I'm so sorry about Wrong that. Button. Dr. Anna Brutlog, how are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. I was just telling listeners that there's been a, a big rash of not only marijuana poisonings and toxicity cases in Colorado and Washington, but now because of the whole e-cigarette thing, the uh, the very legal cigarettes with uh, nicotine replacement, that more of these animals are getting in, into these and you're seeing more cases of poisoning. Is that correct? Definitely. We've actually seen a pretty impressive spike in the overall number of pets exposed to either e-cigarettes themselves or the what, what people refer to as e-liquid, which is the liquid nicotine refill for e-cigarettes and other e-pipes and contraptions such as that. Mm. Absolutely. Are dogs drawn to it because of the smell or is it just a new toy that they want to chew or is it actually something that attracts them? You know, it's a good question. I think certainly we know that dogs, number one, are certainly not discriminate, right? They'll eat just about anything they can. So I think it's possible that this does seem like kind of a fun new toy. And in some of these instances, the cigarettes themselves can be in very colorful shapes and made out of different types of plastic and things of that nature. But possibly, especially when you're dealing with a flavored nicotine product, so let's say, for example, some of them are strawberry-flavored or chocolate-flavored, that might entice them even more. These are flavors that they might like to begin with. Absolutely, absolutely. So what happens when they get uh, uh, nicotine poisoning? Well, what we see is actually fairly rapid onset of clinical signs. So that nicotine that they ingest, it's already in a liquid form, so it's very readily absorbed into the body mm-hmm. upon ingestion. And one of the first things that you will see is vomiting, typically. So nicotine is a very good emetic. and In fact, it has used, been used historically to induce vomiting. And so when we see dogs ingest the liquid nicotine supplements, they tend to vomit fairly rapidly. Then, depending on how much was ingested, and it, well, I guess I should back up because sometimes people, pet owners, will think, "Oh, well, the dog vomited." So yeah, isn't that a he, good thing? Exactly. Yeah, they'll think he decontaminated himself. They don't have anything to worry about. Mm-hmm. The problem is the concentration of nicotine in the e-liquid itself is very, very high. So you can have a dog that's exposed to only a few 
cc's or milliliters of liquid but that packs a really powerful punch because it contains a lot of nicotine and even though the dog may vomit that nicotine may have already been absorbed into the body because it happens so rapidly so once that absorption takes place you see vomiting then what you'll see next is this period of stimulation and that's sort of the smoker's high that you know people who are smoking nicotine would be seeking and a dog may get very anxious very ramped up they might be pacing or panting on you know sometimes what pet owners can tell that's going on is their heart rate is getting quite elevated their blood pressure might be getting quite elevated and that's the first phase of nicotine poisoning. Then what happens is you actually see subsequent to that a depressive phase. Wow. So after that animal's all ramped up, then you'll see them really kind of almost crash in you know, lay terms. And they become very depressed, very lethargic. And that's when we can start to see things like respiratory depression. So their breathing rate slows to the point it can actually be harmful to them. And potentially their heart rate could also slow to the point where it could be harmful. So we can even see these guys slip into a coma or effectively have a respiratory paralysis. So they just simply can't breathe fast enough to keep up with, to sustain life. And that's one of the reasons that we can see these, these are, patients die. Are these conditions reversible if caught in time? They are, there's no true antidote or reversal agent for nicotine. But that said, we can save these patients if we catch them early. Sometimes what we have to do, especially if they've made it all the way to that very depressed mm -hmm. phase where the respiratory rate is low, mm -hmm. we'll ventilate them. And mm -hmm. so we will breathe for them until their body is able to metabolize out that nicotine, and then they can start breathing on their own again. Mm. We are with Dr. Anna Brutlog. We're talking about the e-cigarettes and the e-juices, mostly nicotine, really the, the, the fad now for a lot of smokers that are trying to give it up or that just want to continue smoking using a different accessory. They're, they're very available to your animals now. Uh, they're very pretty. They're shiny. Mm -hmm. They might come in great flavors like banana cream pie, something very appealing for your dogs. I imagine that a small dog that weighs 10 pounds or less, this could be fatal for us. Absolutely. Unfortunately, nicotine is highly toxic to dogs. So the smaller the dog, the more at risk they are because that dose is likely going to be higher. If this happens, is there something you can give your dog immediately or should you just rush them to the vet? What I would do first is I would actually not give them anything by mouth because these dogs might be vomiting. We don't necessarily want to induce vomiting and worsen the problem. But the very first thing to do is either call your veterinarian or call an animal poison control center such as Pet Poison Helpline. And then if you act very quickly, potentially we can start treatment at that point in time. So the faster a pet owner acts, the better the prognosis for their dog. In my practice, one of the things that I really advocate is because people don't know about these risks, you know, different habits in their household. They don't understand what potential toxins their pet could have from, say, xylitol-containing gum, the e-cigarettes, or if, if there are pot smokers in the house. So it, wouldn't it be important for, you know, with any pet in the household to have a household emergency, almost like a disaster plan for your pet? Um, and you have tools, I'm assuming, with the pet pet uh, poison hotline as far as how to advise people on what types of things that they could be have potential toxins with absolutely you really hit the nail on the head information is key because there are so many 
toxins that we worry about for pets that would never be a problem for people. Just like you mentioned, gum with xylitol or grapes and raisins are toxic for dogs, but well, we eat them all the time. And so, no, I fully advocate that. I think the more pet owners can learn about this, the better off everyone's going to be. And it's actually quite easy to figure out what's a problem and what's not. So on our website, that's the resource I would advocate for the most. It's Pet Poison Helpline, H-E-L-P, helpline.com. We have lists of how to poison-proof your home, kind of room by room. Okay, what's in the kitchen that you need to worry about if you have a dog or if you have a cat? What might be in your bathroom cabinet? And these are quick, easy reads that all pet owners should really take inventory of, especially if you're bringing home a new puppy or a new kitten, because you know that's when things really start to happen. You have this brand-new critter who's so excited to explore your house. And at that point in time is the perfect time to puppy-proof and kitten-proof and learn about what you should and shouldn't make accessible to your dog or what human foods you should feed and which ones you should avoid. And if I could put an, um, a little point in for any kind of Labrador puppy owners, <laughs> you, you, you get on the Internet right now and please check out that website because we all know that Labradors do eat anything. And everything. <laughs> they are one of, they generate more calls to Pet Poison Helpline than almost any other breed out there. I couldn't agree with you more. Okay, here's a website I want you all to write down. It's www.petpoisonhelpline.com, petpoisonhelpline.com. Here's the phone number, 1-800-213-6680. That's 1-800-213-6680. And put that on your refrigerator so that if something crazy happens in the middle of the night, you'll have that number there and you could call them and find out if it's going to affect your pet or what to do next. Dr. Anna Brutlog, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. We're going to head back to the phones. Oh, Joyce DeWitt is on the way in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Very excited about that. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind. And they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Judy has just handed me what has to be the weirdest animal story of the week. It happened at LaGuardia Airport, a flight from New York to Charlotte, North Carolina. Got a little bit crabby. Some uh, live crabs got loose in the cargo hold. So a whole bunch of them, not just a few of them, but a whole bunch of them. More than a few, they say. Oh, how funny. And so they oh, that must have been a fun flight. Had to get yeah. rid of those, uh, get them out. They, they shoot them out, and they were half hour late taking off. But there you go. Little crabs. Did you ever try to shoo a crab? It's not easy to do. No, it's not. We used to go crabbing all the time when I was a kid and just in the boat. And, you know, they, I mean, they're, they're there to protect themselves. They got those claws out ready to get you. They're not very responsive creatures, are they? No, they uh, let's head to the phones. We have Jason on the phones. Hey, Jason, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Where are you calling from today? From Lake Forest, California. Okay. What's going on? How can we help you? Um, well, I have a question because uh, 
I have a pug. She's uh, seven years old. And it seems like every night um, when we play with her, she'll, like, it's like she's, like, trying to cough up a hairball. And it never happens during the day. It's mostly at night. So I don't know if there's something I need to get checked out or... So when she's doing it, um, is it, I'm going to get kind of vocal here. Is it like a, or is it yeah. more of a, no, it's the first one. First one, more like a, yeah, like she's got okay. something stuck in her throat. Okay. So um, the reason there's a lot of distinctions here is because there's overlap in how a lot of these different things can sound. So gagging, coughing. Uh, reverse sneezing, regurgitating, all of them can kind of just as a description sound very similar. So there's a lot to be gained from seeing and hearing it. So this is a great reason why I do love video in the veterinary office. So use your smartphone, get a little video audio clip, and um, that that can mean a lot. Um, And you're saying this is only happening at night when she's asleep or if she's doing things? playing with her at night she, she gets very playful before it's time to go to bed mm-hmm. so she, she wants to play on the bed and kind of mess around and then maybe like a minute into it playing like you know fetch or tug of war or something like that she'll just stop and start the, start the sound okay the sound, and yeah. then does she have any other problems um as far as keeping up on walks um eating no, she food? goes running with my wife um she's a good eater she eats a lot she goes running as in jogging yeah Oh, okay. And she tolerates that okay? Yeah, she tolerates that fine. Oh, okay. And so I'm assuming if she goes jogging, she's probably not uh, a chubby pug? She's not an overly chubby pug, no. All right, because that is a big battle. And anytime we're dealing with things of respiratory-type sounds and abnormalities, that's the first one of the first questions I go to is, is your pug fat or not? (laughs) And there's a little bit of... Yeah, she's not a fat pug. Okay, and pugs, you know, they're kind of built stocky anyway, so sometimes that's kind of a loaded question when we say, is your pug fat? Because, you know, nobody wants to admit it. (laughs) It's kind of their build. So there definitely are a couple things that come to mind with what you're describing, and I do think that... That video would be helpful, but I do think of problems that can relate to the trachea um, as far as whether the size of the trachea may be normal. Also, pugs being a brachycephalic dog, a dog with a squished in face, yeah. they inherently can have a lot of different um, physical changes in their airway structures that can make it more challenging to get air on a good day. Um, sometimes when they're are um, excited or if they're exercising or if there's um, a lot of emotion going on, we might be more prone to see some difficulties with those things at that time. For me, I would say, I'd love to see your baby in front of me, take a good look, a good listen. I don't think taking a chest x-ray would be out of line um, just to check the size of the airway structures and to see, because also pugs can have some uh, higher propensity for bronchial disease, so for some different kinds of lower airway disease where their airways can actually collapse, um, usually as a result of their kind of brachycephalic problems that, um, yeah. where they're always kind of struggling to get a good um, solid breath of air. We've had her for about a year because we rescued her, and mm-hmm. it wasn't the whole time. It's basically maybe been for like maybe the last six months. So mm-hmm. I know when we first got her, there was a lot of, you know, how they pant and make that almost a snoring noise. Uh-huh. For the first three days, and we were all freaked out. We thought she was sick. But she you were just, just getting used to the pug sounds. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> the snorkeling and all that. No, it, and that is part of the puggy nature. But the thing that I will tell you is that 
that noise is basically a symptom that we don't have clear flow. We have turbulent airflow when we're hearing all those. Uh-huh. So like like a person with sleep apnea, that can put stress on the heart and on the respiratory tract. So if you hear a lot of those respiratory sounds, you know, don't just assume it's just being a pug. Um, I often like to, to do a thorough exam. And sometimes that means looking in the back of the throat to see what some of those structures look like. And that's usually done under a little bit of sedation or anesthesia. But uh-huh. there, there are some things that can be corrected, some very simply before we get a lot of more end-stage um, airway problems that can set in. So for pugs, Boston Terriers, English Bulldogs, um, you know, the, the cute little snorkely sounds are cute, but, you know, we, we can't overlook that p- potential that we can help out, um, improve the quality of life and prevent some of these long-term um, airway problems they can get. So, so I would um, say, yeah. Do you have an email where I can maybe send you the video of her? Oh, sure. Um, I'm at uh, Doc Debbie at animalradio.com, right? Yes. Cal? Yes. Cal's <laughs> <laughs> that, my secretary. I'm trying to check it. <laughs> that, that is D-O-C, D-E-B-B-I-E, at yes. animalradio.com. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. And I, I uh, definitely enjoy looking at that. Um, I do try to impersonate sounds a little bit better if I have a feel where we're going with things. So <laughs> yeah. I can always uh, uh, share that in another follow-up call if you have other information we can go on. Okay, sounds good. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself there. I love all the noises you make. (laughs) It's fun. You know, that's part of the the fun and the art of veterinary practice is it's it's not just sitting there and guessing what it is. You know, we we have to sometimes impersonate the sounds, you know, smell things that are gross and uh, think like the animals. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Tammy Trujillo. California has become the first state in the nation to enact a set of protections for people who buy pet insurance. Assembly Bill 2056 goes into effect in July of next year. It will require insurers to explain their policies more clearly, standardize their definitions, and give people a 30-day trial period during which a person can get a full refund. The law will make it mandatory for pet insurers to disclose things like reimbursements, pre-existing condition limitations, and have a very clear explanation of the limitations of coverage, including coinsurance, waiting periods, deductibles, and the annual or lifetime policy limits. Basically, everything you need to know. The pet insurance industry is expected to grow to at least $750 million by next year, while Americans will be spending more than $15 billion annually on vet care. Great news for those of us who are fans of the bully breeds. According to the American Temperament Test Society, pit bulls are safe and friendly dogs. 
Ask mine, Lucine, she'll lick you to death. In the latest test, the American Pit Bull Terrier rated 86%, the American Bulldog got an 85% approval rating, and the Staffordshire Bull Terrier got a 90. And that's not that far behind America's favorite dog, which is the Labrador Retriever, and that dog scored a 92. The American Temperament Test Society is a national not-for-profit group. It's in the state of Missouri, and its job is to promote a uniform temperament evaluation of purebred and spay-neutered mixed-breed dogs. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Everybody, this is Deborah Wilson from Mad TV, and you're listening to Animal Radio. And as my friends would say, you're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. In just a few minutes. Oh, forget that. Let's just go do what we're going to do now because this is so much more cool. We have Joyce DeWitt on the phone with us. Member Three's company. I thought she was the cute one. Joyce, how are you doing? <laughs> well, you know, everybody said, what was it? Suzanne Summers was the yeah. cute one. I really, I really had a crush on you. And Oh, well, that's very sweet. But my experience in life has been that fellows tend to be drawn to blondes or brunettes. So I think I sort of, you know, got the brunette crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, that's very sweet of you. Thank you. <laughs> and, and I also love you because you're doing a thing on uh, the Hallmark Channel, My Boyfriend's Dogs. Yes, it's so wonderful. And it's such a dear movie. And the dogs in it are so good. Well, and they're so cute. And they're so each different. It's wonderful. Before we get to that, do you have any dogs at home? I don't at the moment. I lost my precious coconut, and oh. she went up to dog heaven. Coconut. I actually thought I saw her in the form of a cloud, you know, one day. Um, and I haven't really had the... It's kind of like Bailey, the character, the lead character that Erica Christensen plays in the movie. Um, she, when the movie starts, she's lost her main squeeze, her you know favorite person on earth, her doggy, her beagle, and she's not quite ready um, to take in a new child so uh, or a new partner or whatever. So I'm kind of in that space. I'm not quite ready. Well, it does consume a lot of time. And, you know, I imagine someone like you, you're probably traveling a lot. So That is so true. I'm on the road so much um, that that is a, definitely another consideration. Because, you know, when you got a best friend, you can't just go leaving them all the time. And my male best friend here in Santa Fe um, moved back to Philadelphia. And that was a major hang-up for me. Because if he were still here, then I would know that my baby or my partner, my friend, whatever, that he would then be the surrogate parent. And I know that the, my doggy would have been equally happy, you know, and well taken care of. But when Artemis moved back to Philadelphia, I was getting close to replace, getting, a, you know, another doggy. And that was kind of like, okay, what do I do now? Because I do travel so much and you, know, you can't leave your best friend with just anybody. No, you sure <laughs> no, it really helps having to having a spouse, somebody to care for them when you do have to go away. I haven't yeah. taken a vacation in years just because of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I have a friend who has like total, I think it's 11 or 12 dogs and cats all together. Whoa. Um, yeah, one of my best friends in the world. So um, uh, she doesn't travel very much, I must tell you. <laughs> uh, we can guess that, yes. 
<laughs> he has a lot of property, and you know, so it's possible to do that. And they're each much like the dogs in my boyfriend's dogs. Um, they're all different, different breeds, different personalities. Um, so it's very interesting to be around that many animals, and they're each a different person. My friend uh, is so cool with animals, she can actually talk to them. I mean, each one of them, she knows their personality, and she'll like, oh, no, 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 or just come over here and I'll help you. I mean, and they do it. <laughs> well, now, you were working with, uh, obviously, the dogs and my boyfriend's dogs. Is it hard to work with animals on the set? They- well, you will see um, in the film that I don't have that much interaction. They are in the room with me, but really, Erica's character, Bailey, is the one, you know, who's telling them what to do and whatnot. But each of the dogs had their own trainer. So we had three dogs, three trainers. Um, and so when we would shoot the dogs, we would do the turnaround from our close-up to theirs, and there'd be each of the trainers there talking to each of the dogs. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's complicated when you have multiples like that because each dog has to pay attention only to their trainer, whereas they're sitting right next to another dog, and that trainer is talking to that dog. So it really, you know, it's a lot to ask of these puppies. Well, how, how do and, they work? Aren't they... These dogs don't live together, so not only do they got to work together, they're just meeting each other for the first time. Do they get along? Exactly. Exactly. If they are not with the same trainer, most probably they have not met before the circumstance. So it's interesting, and um, uh, um, they are, you know, they're another member of the cast. And so it's, (laughs) you giggle, and you really try to do your part perfectly so you don't stress them at all, because it's hard to be next to another dog talking to another trainer, you know? I wonder if they're SAG after or union dogs. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder. It's a darling movie, by the way. It really is. What's it about without telling us what it's about? Um, it's about a girl who goes through multiple relationships. That's Erica Christensen. Each one of those relationships, there's a dog involved, and and then those relationships maybe don't work out, but maybe the dog relationship does. So <laughs> she ends up with a collection of doggies and um, ends up in my husband and my diner, um, played by the wonderful Michael Kopsa, um, brilliant Canadian actor. And she ends up in our diner, and she tells us her story. And so the story unfolds as she is telling it to us. Um, And it's just lovely, and um, the dog actors are wonderful. And it's, it's really a darling film. And it really does have, underneath just the pleasure of it, and people might not even notice, there is an underlying story in this very well written script. Um, about being in relationship and whether or not we can see if this person's right for us or not. Our friends around us might be able to see that, but we can't always. So there's that kind of little thing there to help us all kind of grow or learn or whatever or see that we're not alone uh-huh. and not picking the right partner. And why don't we listen to our friends, you know? It's like later I, you're like, why didn't you tell me? And they say, I did. I know. And we just I don't listen. Know. Oh, Judy, I know, I know. It's it, it's challenging. But, you know, the heart goes where the heart goes. And, 
usually in any relationship, um, whether it comes out, you know, the way you want or not, there is something to be learned or, you know, on an essence level, we probably wouldn't have wasted our time doing it. Right. Love is blind, I guess. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, that sucker tends to be true. <laughs> well, I look forward to it. It is tonight at 9 p.m. No, not tonight. Oh, it, yeah, it that's is. right. I'm sorry. Yes, it is indeed. It is indeed yeah, tonight. I just finished doing a play, so my brain is scrambled. <laughs> I don't know what planet I'm on, let, let alone what day. <laughs> check it out, 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on the Hallmark Channel. They're they're bringing a bunch of animal shows over, I noticed. They are. They have a very special project, um, a whole series of films, because they're um, wanting to find um, homeless animals a forever home. So they're putting their money into a series of films uh, on what they call the Pet Project, and that's what it's for, to help homeless animals find a forever home. Awesome. Good people doing good work along with you there. Thank you so much for hanging with us today. You're welcome. It was my pleasure indeed. My pleasure indeed. Thanks for having me on. She sounded exactly the same. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A woman says her two-year-old golden retriever saved her life by giving her a doggy version of the Heimlich Maneuver. 45-year-old Debbie Parkers was home with her two dogs when she suddenly choked on a chunk of apple she was eating. She unsuccessfully tried performing the Heimlich on herself, but the apple was still firmly stuck in her windpipe. She tried beating her chest, and before she knew it, Toby, her golden retriever, jumped up, putting his front feet on her shoulders, and knocked her to the ground. Toby then began jumping up and down on her chest until the apple came out. A friend arrived and drove Debbie to the hospital. She says she still has some bruise marks from Toby's doggy Heimlich, but she'll be okay. While some skeptics doubt Toby knew what he was doing, and others think that maybe Toby just wanted a piece of apple, Debbie believes the golden retriever she and her husband rescued from a dumpster knew exactly what he was doing. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Got an old car? You can donate it and save a life. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help. They want to keep saving lives by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car or truck, running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Call now for free pickup. 800-245-0823. 800-245-0823. That's 800-245-0823. Hey folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor, spay or neuter your animals today. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Oh, what did he say? He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. Welcome to Animal Radio. Bruce, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Very good. Where are you today? Uh, I am downtown Los Angeles. Listening in Los Angeles. Thank you very much for doing that. I got the good doctor, Dr. Debbie, right here. How can we help you? Well, I have three California desert tortoises. 
And okay. It's actually a, a female, a male, and a baby. And the baby is an offspring of the two adults. And the male is fine, but the female has had kind of a bubbly in the nose for the entire summer. And, you know, it really kind of stayed in the garage most of the summer. would come out every now and then to eat. I'd have to bring her out to make her eat. But she would always eat when she was out. I can't get the bubbling to go away. I've taken her to the vet and she's had a, a shot. But I'm having to keep her up, I think. I'm trying to find out advice from you as to how best to treat the adult during this time period during when she would normally be hibernating. Mm-hmm. And sure. the baby, who's three years old, I wasn't going to even hibernate her yet because she seems to have a little bit of that also. Okay. Uh, now, and you mentioned you're in L.A., so you have a backyard then? Do you have a burrow for them outdoors? Not a burrow. They actually just go walk into the garage, the garage and they, you know, take refuge in the garage in a parked spot every day. They, okay. They're creatures of habit, and they go to the same spot every single day. Okay. So have you had them over for a winter where they've actually stayed in the garage and stayed for the, say, a couple months season? Oh, yes. I mean, I've had them since uh, the parents. I've had them for 16 years since they were babies. Okay, good. I've hibernated them every year in a box of peat moss. Awesome. Uh, Okay, good. That's why I wanted to make sure you were doing it, that you weren't just letting them go in and out during the winter months. Oh, no. I always send them to sleep, you know, the end of October, and they usually wake up sometime in, you know, early March. But I'm not sure if I should do that with the, the female this year because she does have this runny nose. Yeah, and, and I'd have to say that any tortoise that is dealing with respiratory signs, bubbling from the nose, discharge, uh, kind of a gaping breathing, those are not tortoises that should go into hibernation. Um, so we need to make uh, accommodations indoor to keep that temperature up, and uh, it's just not safe. Um, if they're battling respiratory, it's one of the number one reasons that they will not come out of hibernation. Um, it's just too dangerous. Now, and some people will even say for the juvenile tortoises, up to maybe two, three years of age, you know, just to be cautious because of their size and their delicate nature that we might not allow those babies, even if they're in good health, to go through a hibernation until a couple years of age. Um, Different schools of thoughts, that's generally how here in Nevada that how I do it is if they're young and they're little and we're not real comfortable with that outdoor environment, um, then I'll keep them indoors in a controlled environment, keeping that temperature up so we don't want them to kind of go through that in-between zone where they're kind of cold but they're not really warm enough and uh, that's no good for them either so we definitely need to keep that indoor temperature up to the normal ambient 75 to 90 degree uh, temperature zone there so i can keep i can keep the female inside but then I, I will take her out you know and feed her from time to time because she won't be going to sleep correct Right, yeah. So you'll need to go through regular feeding like you would through the summer months, uh, making sure, you know, she's got her uh, ultraviolet light, she's got her heat sources, all of that. And then also, you know, for that respiratory infection, we might need to get a little more aggressive medically to treat that. And tortoises, just like most reptiles, they metabolize drugs slowly. So for a lot of these guys, uh, for treating them with injections, um, I treat them every 72 hours. Um, their body takes that long to metabolize it. So um, if we can go to an oral, we can try that if they're eating. But uh, in many cases, um, you know, we'll really see these guys every couple days until we can get a control on the respiratory infection. And that could be weeks. <laughs> so um, if you've only done one injection, you know, I just uh, encourage you to, to uh, get this baby back into the veterinary office.
Yeah, I've done the injection, but they also gave me uh, an oral to give her. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, they, I gave, they gave me an oral to do every other day. There's just some some question of how effective oral antibiotics are in tortoises. Um, so my number one thing is if they're not eating, I don't even go there. Um, but if, if she's eating, and I don't see a harm in going with that route. Um, and also some of the youngsters will look at things like vitamin deficiencies. Vitamin A deficiency can often be accompanied with these respiratory infections in juvenile tortoises. So if that's something uh, they haven't addressed yet, you might kind of ask your vet about that as well. So uh, lots of good uh, reptile questions here today. I'm really it's excited. weird, isn't it? I love it. So I like to get that little Dr. Doolittle, a little bit of everything, all creatures great and small. It makes my day fun. Well, that is just a lot of stuff jammed into one show there. It's pretty amazing. I want to thank Joyce DeWitt for joining us today. Thank you so much. Dr. Anna Brutlog, our hero, Stephen McGarva, and of course you. Don't forget you can download the Animal Radio app. Listen anytime you want and ask your questions free of charge. It's a free download for iPhone and Android. And don't forget to head over to our Facebook page for Wacky Wednesday. If you don't have a wacky picture of your pet, we'll at least vote on some of the wacky pictures over at our Facebook page. Don't forget to check out Dr. Debbie's books, Yorkshire Terriers, Shih Tzus, Pugs, Mini Schnauzers, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. Links over at AnimalRadio.com. They are Kindle books, so you can go right to Amazon and download those puppies. We'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here on this fine station. Have a great one. Bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network.